0: It's Dave from CheapWinefighter.com. Today we're doing kind of a general information podcast, not a single wine. And it's basically what does a wine label tell you? You know, on, on high-end wines, it, it it's kind of you know, more useful. But on a wine under twenty dollars, under ten dollars, what on that what information on that wine label does you any good that helps you buy a wine? You know, and it's actually not good. I remember we've been doing the cheapwinefinder.com website for 11 years. And at one time, I used to look at the label. Nowadays, I almost it's almost an afterthought because there's nothing on there, there's nothing that you want to know. And I'm going to get into that. And here we go. We're going to talk about what's not there and maybe what should be there. Let's start with something simple, like the uh, alcohol content. It has to be in every bottle. It's either on the back or in very small print on the edge of the front label. And say you got a wine that's 13.5% alcohol content. Well, by law, it has to be within 1.5%, which it could be actually 12% or it could be 15%. So even like the 13.5% doesn't actually have to be all that accurate. Is it probably close? Yeah, uh, it's you know it's probably right, but it doesn't have to be right. Uh, you know they. That's I think the reason why they give them that disc- uh, that leeway is because sometimes the labels are printed up before the final chemistry is in, and they should know roughly what the alcohol content is. That's not that tough to figure out. But when you look at it, you know you don't know if you know the they're accurate or are they just taking it easy and just putting you know something in the middle? So even something as simple as the alcohol content can or cannot be accurate. Okay, so if you can't really completely trust the alcohol uh, level on the bottle, then who made the wine? You know, like I said with boutique wines, you know we're just a small producer in a single vineyard. That's pretty much cut and dried, but like, who made the wine? Like most modern mine co- uh, companies, you know, even family-owned ones, even these privately held ones, usually have you know twenty-five labels and you know a couple thousand acres of vineyards, and and everyone's different. Like, I'll try to come up with a um, scenario. So you got a family-owned or independently-owned winery. And that is formed under one LLC, one corporation. And they have a vineyard. And for the insurance company goes, hey, you really should make that vineyard another corporation just because you don't want both things. If there's a problem with one, you don't want a problem with the other. So that's not a separate LLC. And they, they're doing well. And they decide that they want to buy another vineyard. But you know, rather than spend their own money, uh, they get some uh, investors and they buy that other vineyard, and it is under a third LLC. And when they uh, fitted out their winery, they made sure they had room for expansion. So they're probably using 60% of their winery right now. They're doing well, but they have 40% they don't use. And I read somewhere where 50% of all uh, wineries in California are faux wineries, meaning that they don't own vineyards, they don't own uh, their own winemaking facilities, they rent them. They, they have contracts with the um, vineyards and they rent out excess space. So this company, because it's a good idea, they have excess space, let's make some money off it. So that's a corporation. you know. And then they have, since they have all these different entities, they, they form another corporation Just to put all the employees in there, so they can lease the employees out to all these different entities. So it's you're not doubling up on jobs. And say you want to do a Trader Joe's wine. You ever notice Trader Joe's wines? If it's um, you know, it's a Grizzly Bear wine. Uh, you know, Chardonnay. uh, The back label will say Grizzly Bear Wine Company. Someone just made up that name. So they're going to have that corporation for those wines. So what the bottle is going to say, even though. It's a family-owned um, winery, and they're using their own facilities, and the grapes are coming from their own vineyards. It's all a different web of separate companies. So when it look at the back label, all it's going to say is cellared and bottled by, which means pretty much nothing. I mean, cellared means you kept it around for a while before you sold it, and bottling there's there's mobile bottling lines out there you don't even have to have a winery to have a bottling line so it doesn't tell you who what when where or anything so you look at the back label and who made it well even though it was made by an independent winery using their own stuff it doesn't say that and it doesn't have to be that it could be some person um You know, buying on the open market the lowest priced grapes they can find and, you know, just having it thrown together at some facility you don't know where, it's going to say the exact same thing. It's going to be the whole spectrum of what could happen on the back of the label. It tells you nothing. Uh, So, you know, that in itself doesn't help you at all. So, you're looking at what, you know, cellared and bottled by. There is so rarely that it says produced by or, you know, that this is our wine. Even estate wines. I've seen estate wines where the winery had like twenty different vineyards and three different AVAs. You know, a state wine usually means from a small place, but it could be from all over California. So let's get into that by what the what the name brand on your label means. Because sometimes that's even not what you think it is. Okay, so there's a label on the bottle. But who are they? You know, is it just a label? Is it a winery? Um, Is it the same ownership today that it was three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago? It's hard to tell. You can't really tell. Like one trend I've noticed lately, and there's been a couple of big examples of it, is that kind of hot brands, brands that are selling very well. Gets sold off to major corporations. It's it's a good deal for both. The original winemaker makes a fortune, and the um, the big wine corporations got a wine that's selling great. You know they don't have to build the label, but you know, but the 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 name stays the same. But it's a completely different ownership. Is it the same wine? You know, sometimes these wines have they don't have they're not tied to a vineyard. So they had contracts with different vineyards. Uh, the original winemaker had friends here and there. And when the major corporation buys that wine label, well, they don't either get those grapes, those those contract vineyards, or they have their own vineyards. And sometimes they, the contract keeps the, the original winemaker around for a couple of years, and sometimes it doesn't. So you never really know who... Your wine is. You'd be surprised how many wines or how many labels used to be independent wineries and aren't anymore or were purchased by this major corporation and now they're not. They got sold off by that major corporation. Uh, Constellation Brands, this is one of the big US companies, sold their value priced wines off to EJ Gallo. And EJ Gallo is very, very good with, with uh, value priced wines. But are those labels going to be the same? I mean, Gallows got their own vineyards. Or did they get the vineyards? Did they get just the brand names. Did they get the winemakers. Did they get the facilities. What did they get? It's going to change. And do you know that from the label? No, you don't know that from the label. You know, and there's all sorts of situations. You know, I'm you know I'm trying to look up wines, and I find out that you know sometimes it's okay. Sometimes I find out, oh, this used to be for 50 years independent winery. And they got bought out, but hey, the the vineyards say the same, and the same family is still making the wine. You know, they're they're an independent part of this major company. And sometimes all that's left is the brand name. I mean, there's nothing left. You know, I, um, you know, Menage a Trois wines, which used to be three different uh, grapes put together. I think they got spun off. I'm not sure. I didn't look that up before I started talking. But the last time I looked, there was like five. So it was like, you know, I'm not sure what you want to call that one. But it's not a menage a trois. And so um, the name brand, who is it? Is it a corporation? Is it a uh, family-owned winery? Is it the same people owned it, you know, last year? Is it the same vineyards? Is it the same winemaker? Is it the same anything? Well, the label won't tell you that. And half the time, if you go online and look it up, it won't tell you that. I mean you're going to have to actually google direct question who owns this wine or else you're not going to know. And you know normally if you do that you'll get some trade publication that'll tell you who actually who owns it. And you know not all the time that makes a big difference cuz wine nowadays is pretty much good across the board. I can't think of any winemaker who's I mean or wine big wine company who makes bad wine. But you don't know the label doesn't tell you what you think it does. So does the label tell you where the grapes come from? Again, if it's a expensive wine, yeah, it'll tell you probably what vineyard it came from. But in the cheap kind of wines? You know, California on the on the label is a pretty big area. You know, when it says California, that means that uh, basically speaking, two of the uh, two of the three major areas, or maybe all three of the major areas. Central Coast, the North Coast, and the uh, Central Valley. Uh, vineyards from each of those sections were at least two of the sections or all three of the sections are in that. That put California on the label. And even in something like Sonoma, that's a huge area. Or Monterey. Monterey has pretty much every conceivable growing condition imaginable. It's got um, cool weather uh, on the coast, it's got uh, mountains, it's got valleys, it's got uh, warmer areas that are blocked by mountains and doesn't get the cool air. It's got places that are that have gaps in the mountain that gives it cool air and you know the and, and moisture. And then it has different uh, soils and you know Monterey doesn't tell you much. And that's an AVA inside the Central Coast. And then there's wines that sometimes in the cheap wine fire in the value priced wines. The grapes came from the exact same vineyard as yeah, a $25 bottle of wine, um, just that they made them differently. Um, a, more, a more advanced and more um, complex uh, t- uh, production values on the $25 wine and, you know, um, better oak treatments to it. And the $10 to $8 wine was, you know, done kind of quick and easy, bright and fruity and fresh. But they came from the exact same place. And for marketing reasons, even though the $25 wine says Dry Creek in this exact same vineyard, exact same juice on the $8 one, they'll put California down there. Just so there's a differentiation, you know, because if you see Dry Creek on the $8 one and on the $25 one, you're going to get confused. So the location's not there or it's a huge area. And just saying like Russian River uh, Valley AVA, there's a lot of space there. Uh, I just did some uh, Sonoma Coast and there's, it's not a, Sonoma Coast is a kind of a small AVA. There's four or 5,000 acres there. So, you know, even putting Sonoma Coast, you know, it does narrow things down, but four or 5,000 acres is a large place. Your wine doesn't, you know, if it says California, it could be anywhere. If it says Sonoma, it's huge. It says, you know, Monterey could be anything. Even when it narrows down, it could be anything. So location doesn't tell you much. Why not? You know, I mean, the grapes came from somewhere. You know, are they ashamed of them? I doubt that. I think they're pretty happy with their wines. Most people are. Even even inexpensive wines, they're pretty proud that they made something that good for the for the value price why isn't that there i mean it's because the laws say it doesn't have to be there it gives them this out by putting california and there's even u.s wines when you get like i've seen oregon wines that have some washington um, grapes in them too or california so it says united states it's like you know gee whiz just you're, you're telling me absolutely nothing so even the location of the grapes, where the vineyards are, the label doesn't really tell you. I mean, it, it, there are circumstances when it does, but yeah, about 75% of the time, it tells you virtually nothing. Okay, you're in a wine shop, grocery store or wherever, trying to buy a wine, looking at the label, and you want to make a decision on which to what wine to buy, and what do you do? The alcohol content could or could not be true the label maybe it's the same people who made it last year maybe it isn't maybe it is independent winery maybe it isn't location of the grapes yeah who knows how do you decide what to buy you can't trust anything you know there's certain wines maybe you've had them before and and hopefully they haven't changed hands since you've had them last so what what is on that label that gives you some clue to what you're buying? And here's the weird thing about it. It's the artwork. If it's a classic, you know, like old school label, it's probably kind of a classic old school wine. If it's, if it's got, you know, kind of edgy, it's probably a new wine, kind of new modern wine, uh, maybe aimed at a younger audience, a little spicy, you know, um, different Cues, different colors will try to trigger different things. Marketeers nowadays know how to get to their audiences. And that label, especially in the cheap wine, for, in the value wine label, a lot of these wines are, are actually produced by huge corporations. So they have people on hand designing those labels that are really pinpointing it to their, to their audience. You know, some of these boutique wineries that you know are family-owned, well, their labels are probably done by uh, you know, their their daughter-in-law or something. But in the the more mass-produced, drink it now inexpensive ones, there are there's science going into those labels. So you can actually if you're reading the labels correctly and you know, one thing most people have at this point, they've grown up with advertising, they know how to read the, the subliminal messages coming at you. That's about the only thing you can trust because these people are pretty good at giving you the clues from the label, you know, the, uh, nothing else on there is worth a damn. So, you, That's the only thing you've got. Why? Well, because these are the laws that have been around for 50 years. You know, they can do a scan thing where you can just scan it and it'll give you a list of where all your all the vineyards are and who the parent company is and you know um you know it probably give you a rundown of how it was made if they felt like it but no one does they cuz guess what no one's looking at the label anymore. You're looking at the picture on it. So There you go. So when they go, oh, you can't buy by the label, it's the only thing there. I mean, unless you've had the wine before and you know it and you trust it, you don't know a thing about that wine. Trust the label. So that's me, cheapwinefinder.com. That's what I do nowadays. You know, the one that catches your eyes, you know, maybe that's it. I I do. I do. Every time I look at a wine, I look it up. I go online. I try to find out you know some information on it but you know that's i'm weird you don't probably don't do that so uh there you go just go with what you know which is what the label says to you and that's it so there we go adios keep it cheap that's all i got and i you know labels are useless you do and i'll talk to you a little bit adios bye-bye.